Good morning. Good morning. Again. <laughs> Clinton's going to have to come back. I say good morning too many times. <laughs> we miss him. All right. Well, as I said, let's, let's open our Bibles up to John chapter 3, starting in verse 16. So many people have grabbed a hold of this verse, and they, and they take it and run with it. That being said, they take it, and that's all they take. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that those who believe in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, if that's all that we had, if that was all that we had, the only instructions, the only encouragement, that would be a wonderful thing for God loving all of us enough to just save everybody. Well, unfortunately, that's an untruth or false teaching. As we have been commanded, we can't be false teachers. We have to dive into the Scriptures, bring about the truths, plural, of it, that being more than one passage telling us about the truth, or that is the pathway to heaven. And I will tell you this right now, there is only one pathway to heaven. That is following our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I, I quoted it fast, but we're going to read it very carefully. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Well, we're going to break it down. Look at it very carefully. For God so loved the world. God also in his creation in Genesis considered everything to be good. Everything was good in God's eyes until one point. Sin, sin revived. The orchestrator of that was Satan. And he was the author of it. He was telling folks a lie. And he's telling folks unto this day a lie. And Satan can't promise us one thing of comfort on the day of judgment. Actually, he can't promise us anything. He can promise us all kinds of things upon this earth that, that, that make it pleasing and fun and, and enjoyable. All kinds of sin is fun and enjoyable. I will tell you this. Being a child of God is way more fun. It's way more enjoyable. Especially when you realize that the gift from God is eternal life. For God loves you. I'm going to make it personal. God loves you. When he says the world, he means the people who are living in it. Because it says whosoever. That whoever, the word who is implying of people. For God so loved the world. Folks, that's you and I. So what is it saying about his only begotten son? If we really, if we really study Jesus' birth. What a miraculous thing that was. When the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary and she birthed the Son. What a wonderful thing. For God loving you and I enough to do that miraculous thing to have a Son walking this earth leaving heaven by the way. Wait a minute, what did you say? This is what I said. I said, Jesus was there in the beginning. All things that were created that is ever created or will be created was through Christ. Read John chapter 1, verse 1. When we study and take that in, we realize that Christ was in heaven before he came to this earth. And again, as he instructed his disciples upon his teachings, he told his disciples the instructions that we were getting was from the Father. God gave him instructions before he left heaven. Those instructions was to show us how to get back to God. Do we remember the flood? 
Do you remember the flood as we, as we recognize the reason why the flood came upon the earth? The hearts of men and the women were evil continuously. They had removed themselves from God. They had forgotten his ways, and he was angry. It repented God that he had made man. He was sorry that he had made you and I. And he was ready to wipe it away. He was ready to clean the slate, if you will. But we're still here today. Through many, many years down the road, we are here today. Standing upon this earth that was once completely immersed with water where every living, every air-breathing living creature perished. For God so loved this place, love you and I, to give that precious gift that we had that was crucified on that cross with lawless hands. We find that in Acts chapter 2. But those Jews that Peter told that they had killed with lawless hands. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That those, again, people, or that whoever believes in him. So let's look at the word of believe. You ever sat, you ever had somebody tell you something that was kind of far-fetched? I have. I, I've, I've had folks tell me something far-fetched. How about uh, water sitting on top of oil? If you was to told me that and me not know no better, I said, That's, that don't, no, that ain't gonna, no, that don't work. It's gonna mix. Oil and water don't mix. And then you show it to me. and say, well, okay, there you go. I believe it now. We see Christ's life in the Bible. We see the pathway set before us in your Bibles. God wishes no one to be lost. But unfortunately, in the, second, the next verse that we, we talk about this right here, in verse 17, we're going to see there's an option. And as we dive into a little bit further, there's going to be folks who are lost. And he gave his only begotten son that, that whoever believes in him should not perish. So there is a perishing that's going to happen. So there's going to be a death that's going to happen. This is the second death that's been referred to in Revelations 21.8. Turn there with me. I refer to that verse so much. Turn there with me to Revelations 21.8. We're going to start in verse 7. Revelations chapter 21, verse 7. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. That's, and that's overcoming sin, by the way. And will be, and I will be his God, and shall, and he shall be my son. That's God speaking to us. That God himself will be our God, and we shall be his son, ladies, you're included. But, there is a but, that word, I, 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 involving sin, it happens, unfortunately. But, because someone has to overcome something, but someone who does not overcome, that's, they're not going to inherit some things. But, the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexual immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars. I take heed of that word there, all liars. 
shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. That's the perishing that John 3.16 is talking about. So this sounds horrible. Jeremy, how do I be, how do I not, not participate? How do I avoid this lake of fire, this second death? I don't want to die twice. Come to Christ. Be obedient to his word. Believe in him. It's important to take notice of believing in him. It does not say believe that Christ is the Son of God. It does not say that. It says believe in him. You have to be in Christ to avoid or to have nothing to do with this fall or this second death. That lake of fire which burns with fire and brimstone. That fire and brimstone lake, folks, that's designed for Satan. That's designed for Satan. I don't think of God as a hating God. I think God as a just God. We need to think, think of God as a just God. Because he loves things. Yeah, he's got some tough love. Yes, sirs and yes, ma'ams, he does. Let's think about Satan. What does Satan do to get cast out of heaven? Keep in mind, Satan's not a demon. He's a fallen angel. He was in heaven with Christ. We also read of that in Revelations. About that great war and the, and the serpent being cast out, that serpent being Lucifer or Satan or son of the morning star, all different names that he has. So we think about Satan and what he did to be cast out of heaven, to be condemned to this lake of fire in which, in which Christ comes back where he's going to have to spend eternity. But he ain't going to be alone. He's not going to be alone. He's going to be with so many folks who've been obedient to him, those who considered him their father. Remember those Jews and Christ's teachings? When they thought God was their father, and before that it was Abraham their father, and Christ laid it on the line, he showed them that, yeah, Christ, I mean, God nor Abraham was their father. Satan was their father because they were doing the works of Satan, because they were hating Christ. The word perish. That's the perish I wanted to talk about. Revelation 21.8, that lake of fire that burns continuously. I use the example of a cast iron skillet. I've used that before. I won't use it again. How many of y'all are held a cast iron skillet just as it's on the stove? It's, it's hot. You ain't got no, I'm getting a funny look from, from Melissa. She does it often. <laughs> but when you tuck your eye, you jerk your hand back, right? It hurts. Now imagine that being enveloped around your entire being. Pain and suffering for an eternity. We see a representation of that of Lazarus and the rich man. The rich man just wanted Lazarus to come over and touch the tip of his, tip his finger in some water and cool the tip of his tongue. And that would have gave him some relief. This is by far no representation of this lake of fire that's going to happen. We can avoid this. We can avoid it. God wishes us again not to be saved, not to be lost, but he wishes us to be saved. That those who believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Like I said again, if it's verse uh, 16 of John chapter 3, if that's all that we had, what a wonderful thing. But we have more. I encourage reading verse 17. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world 
through him might be saved. Now, let's keep that into our, into our minds. Through him. Wait a minute. What are you talking about? How does one go through Christ? We're going to turn. I just drew a blank. I did. I just drew a blank. In Christ. Romans chapter 6. I just, wow. I am drawing a short straw of some, of, of some tiredness this morning, by the way. All right, Romans chapter 6. Starting in verse 1. What shall we, being Christians, say, say then that uh, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin, again, Christians, live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ, were baptized into his death, therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. Did you hear what Paul wrote to the church in Rome? He told them that you were baptized into Christ, you have put Christ on, and now you should walk in newness of life. You should be a completely different person than that sinful person who you were before you put Christ on. Keep in mind, he did say that we died to sin. How shall, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin so that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? So that the world through him, Jesus Christ, might be saved. Oh, that word might. Oh, might. M-I-G-H-T means choice on our part. God is not a forceful God. He offers an opportunity. He welcomes, he welcomes us to participate in this opportunity, that being a child of His. And He welcomes us again to stay faithful. He does not force us, nor will He ever force us. That would not be a loving God anyway. Now turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to start reading in the third verse. So as we now we've really dissected John 3, 16 and 17 to know that there's choice. Not everyone who's been immersed for the remission of sins is going to be saved. We have an opportunity to be faithful. When we are not faithful, we are no longer being saved or from having salvation from the fall, having those characteristics of John, John Revelations 21, 8. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption by, as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the blood. In him we have redemption through his blood. Did you hear that? In Christ we have redemption through Christ's blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. And that is there is God. Because God, as we learned, well, we didn't read back far enough. 
in Romans chapter 5. We read Romans chapter 6, but if you back up to Romans chapter 5, we learn that there is more grace of God than there is sin in the world, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So we see here in verse 7, again, the word might comes to mind in John 3, 17. In him we, being a child of God, have redemption through his blood. The access of his blood. Do you remember that? Whenever we're in Romans chapter 6, we have to be baptized into his blood, into Christ. Being baptized into his death. The forgiveness of sins. We read in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, it's a continual cleansing that is Christ's blood. We just have to confess our sins. Right after we repent of them. Repentance, again, means stop, cease, turn away from, a complete different direction. But we have forgiveness of sins. If we read Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, we learn that all sin and fall short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God applies to us today as well. We are not beyond sin. Even as a child of God, we are not beyond sin. We fall short. We have an opportunity. We have commandments that we must do. Those commandments are this. After being immersed or baptized for the remission of sins, when we sin willfully, well, know this, Hebrews 10, verse 26, if we continue to sin willfully, there no longer remains that sacrifice for our sins. But 1 John chapter 1, verse 7 Encourage us that we can have forgiveness of those sins yet again. Because it's a cleansing power. It cleanses us from our sins. But we got to have that access. Without access, without that access, we made mention of that this morning in Bible class, unknowingly, of John 14, 6. Jesus Christ says this to those disciples, some soon to be apostles. He says that he says that to us today as well. I am the way. I'm the truth, and I'm the lie. I'm the way, truth, and the lie. That's what he says. No one comes to the Father except through or by me if you have a King James. So what does that say? That says that you've got to go through Christ before you can get to God. Are you praying to God? Are you praying to God without Christ? He does not hear that prayer. What? What do you mean he doesn't hear that prayer? Okay. I didn't prepare for this, but turn with me to Isaiah 59. <clears throat> Isaiah 59.2. Hopefully you kept your spot back there in Ephesians. Isaiah 59, verse 2. If we back up to verse 1, it becomes a little more clear. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. That's referring to God hearing your prayers. That's God seeing his children. But, oh, there's that word but again. We made mention of that word this morning in Bible class. Your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. 
Did you notice something there? Your God that you're praying to without Christ, because keep in mind, he's Christ himself. He says, you can't come to God without going through me or to me. No one comes to the Father except through or by me. That's what Christ teaches. So here we see Isaiah writing. He says, our sins and our iniquities separates us from God. But doesn't Christ's blood give forgiveness of sins? It does. Oh, it does. But it's not automatic. It requires actions on our part. Turn with me over there. I made reference to this of 1 John. 1 John chapter 1. First John, chapter 1, starting in 7. Keep in mind that verses 5 and 6 uh, refers to God being light. There's no darkness in him at all. And we say that we have fellowship and walk in darkness. We lie and, practice and do not practice the truth. But verse 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light. Folks, that's God himself. We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanses us from all sin. We look at fellowship there, and we think of that as fellowship with fellow Christians. A child of God, someone who is not God, cannot forgive your sins. This is fellowship with God. This is fellowship with our Heavenly Father. Having, repenting of repenting, having no sin. I'm not going to say that because we're going to read that in the next few verses. We need to repent of our sins. We need to confess those sins so as we can stay connected to God. Because once we sin, once we take that road, we have turned God's ears off and we have shut His eyes unto us. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another in the blood of Jesus Christ. His Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Folks, we need to realize that we are sinners. We're justified sinners, but we're sinners nonetheless. None of us deserve heaven. It is a free gift of God as we remain faithful. And verse 9, as we realize we have sinned, as we realize we have fallen short, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jeremy, it does not say anything about repentance in there because repentance is implied. Who wants to continue disobeying God and continue to do that? Because as we continue in it, we're abiding in it. Now turn with me to uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26. This is abiding in sin. This is continual walking with Satan, that being your father. Because keep in mind, whenever Christ was teaching those Jews, he said, Satan is your father. They thought God was their father. Previous to that, they thought Abraham was their father. Yeah, not so much because they weren't doing the works of Abraham, nor did they love Christ. They hated him. And yes, Jesus Christ came from God. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26. For if we sin willfully, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, a child of God sinning and abiding in it, all right, that's what that says. There no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. That's the absence of that fellowship. That's the absence of being obedient to God. That's the absence of being connected to Him. You're abiding in sin, and you're doing it willfully. So therefore, verse 27 comes to mind. But 
a certain fearful expectation of judgment. Not a sacrifice for sins, but judgment. Not only a judgment, but a fiery judgment. And fiery indignations, which will... the Indignation is just one. Which will devour the... Notice this next word. Adversaries. So if you're sinning willfully, if you're abiding in sin, not having fellowship with Christ, not having fellowship with God through Christ, not coming to God through Christ, not being immersed, you are an adversary of God. Ouch. How many of us want to be an adversary of God on Judgment Day? I don't. You don't. Let's be honest with ourselves. How many of us like holding that cast iron skillet and it just come off the oven? No, not without a pot holder, right? There will be no pot holder in hell. There will be no comfort in hell. Only comfort can be found in heaven. Where is your destination this morning? Do you realize now John 3.16 is not implied? John 3.16 is an encouragement. John 3.16 also refers to death, fall, pain, suffering. Let's have salvation from that this morning. As we turn away from the sins that we're involved with right now, and walk hand in hand with God. Does that need to happen this morning? By giving up your sins, dying to sin, dying to the world, putting Christ on through baptism, and if I've done so, took that short walk with Satan, telling Satan goodbye. I want nothing to do with you. Come back to God by confessing your sins after you have repented of them. Does that need to happen this morning? Do you need to come to God? Why don't we do so as we stand and as we sing the song of invitation?